Welcome to Snap Sessions, an episodic podcast that looks at international artists and their creative pursuits, as well as interesting articles and broadcasts across the political spectrum. My name's Doug Nunn. I'm joined by Techmeister Marshall Downtown Brown and voiceover colossus Ken Krause, and by our artist of the show. Our guests this episode are the partners of Mendocino's new vegetarian restaurant, The Fog Eater Cafe, Haley Samus Berry, Erica Schneider, and Nathan Maxwell Kahn. Support for Snap Sessions is brought to you by listeners who contribute generously at our link, patreon.com forward slash snap sessions, or through the link in the Snap Sessions website, thesnapsessions.com, and also the link in our show notes. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the Boom Boom Room in Gerberville, we have the top baby comedian in the world, Shaggy Infante! Hey, it's good to be here at the Boom Boom Room. You guys seem to be a great crowd. I worked at daycare center the other day, the brown diaper. You want to talk old? They're all three and four-year-olds. What a bunch of fossils. Good to be here in Gerberville. I played in Mendocino last week where I never heard the same kid's name twice. I had a play date with kids named Star Compost, Carbon Capture, and Silly Simon. Anybody here still think the stork brought you, left you on the chimney? Well, if you believe that, I got a solid gold bassinet I could sell you, buddy. When you hear the real story, you're really going to spit up. Hey, any new crawlers out here tonight? I'm kind of new at crawling. It only took me 90 minutes to get to the microphone. Hey, is this mic on? Ah, oh, sorry, it's my rattle. I got to remind myself. Talk into the mic, suck the bottle. Hey, is it just me, or did somebody fill their pants out here? Not you, sir. I'm sorry, I'm talking about babies. Babies only. What's the big deal with solid food? Everybody's always trying to get you to eat solid food. It gives me colic. You try eating rice, cereal, kale, pumpkin, and apricot, and then getting put down for your nap? You'd have colic too, ladies and gentlemen. You'd have colic too. Is it just me, or is anybody else here tired of those airplane noises they make when they're trying to feed you? They're trying to make you think that if they make airplane noises, you're actually going to eat it. Nobody likes airplane food. Why should we babies like it, huh? I'm asking you, huh? And what's wrong with mother's milk? Hey, take my mom, please. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's almost feeding time. Bring her back. Bring her back. Come on. Newborns, sheesh. Hey, keep it down. You're out of the womb already. You're not a bunch of embryos anymore. Pipe down back there at your age, not your APGAR score. Oi, and what's with the teething? First the gums, then the teeth. 
Whatever you do, don't bite the breast. Boy, was that a mistake. Any toddlers out here tonight? Bad reputation, toddlers. They don't call them the terrible twos for nothing. Yeah, I gotta tell you, I love my mom. How many folks out here tonight love their moms? Get out of your playpens, put those chubby hands together, and let's hear it for the moms out here tonight, huh, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah! Hey, I'm sorry for any screw-ups with the punchlines tonight, ladies and gentlemen. It's new material. I just learned to talk last week. It ain't easy being a baby. How would you like it if somebody threw you out with the bathwater? Oh, I could use a breast right about now, I'll tell you. Hey, a lot of smiles out here tonight. Am I killing? Or do you just all have baby gas? What's with this room? I gotta talk to my agent. I work wombs bigger than this. Don't forget to tip your mom. She lets down more milk that way. Just saying. Folks, I gotta go. But we got a great headliner coming up. The doo-wop group, the Fontanelles. Thank you. It's nap time. I'm out of here. Drawdown. Edited by Paul Hawkins. I recently read a big, detailed book. A book that pushed my little head to hustle to keep up. Drawdown, the most comprehensive plan ever proposed to reverse global warming, seems to be written in number three font. Ooh, that's kind of small. Yikes. Has two thickly detailed columns per page, is authored by dozens of scientists from 22 countries with thousands of sources. Drawdown's goal is to develop plausible scenarios to pull down the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere and to develop solutions to climate change over the next decades. Their ultimate goal is to sequester 1,051 gigatons of carbon dioxide by 2050. That's gigatons. Paul Hawkins, the book's editor, took on the gargantuan task of putting together this grand volume. His appendix is chock-a-block with brilliant minds, and the book details over 100 potential solutions to the predicament we have landed ourselves in. Hawkin and his collaborators have divided the world into eight areas of goals. Energy, food, women and girls, buildings and cities, land use, transport and materials. They top it off with a superb futuristic section called Coming Attractions. Which includes a variety of fascinating cutting-edge solutions from repopulating the mammoth steppe to farming industrial hemp to smart highways and smart grids and even artificial leaves. Artificial leaves? Hawken maintains early in the book that, quote, the solutions compiled and analyzed here lead to regenerative economic outcomes that create security, produce jobs, improve health, save money, facilitate mobility, eliminate hunger, prevent pollution, restore soil, clean rivers, and more. But wait, there's more. 
The writers of this book see global warming not as an inevitability, but as an inspiration to build, innovate, and affect change, a pathway that awakens creativity, compassion, and genius. This is not a liberal agenda, nor is it a conservative one. This is the human agenda, unquote. I am a human being. To summarize, this book is well beyond our humbled podcast. But we would like to give you some highlights. And to do that, we'd need to relate first some factoids about the situation we've gotten ourselves into. So let's begin with some of the scary bad news. Once blanketing 12% of the world's land masses, tropical forests now cover just 5%. In many places, the destruction continues. Tropical forest loss alone is responsible for 16 to 19% of greenhouse gas emissions caused by human activity. The following areas have lost 90% or more of their original forest habitat. Burma, Thailand, India, Borneo, Sumatra, the Philippines the Mata Atlantica of Brazil, Somalia, Kenya, Madagascar, and Saudi Arabia. Since humans began farming, the number of trees on Earth has fallen by 46%. At warming of 1.5 degrees Celsius, permafrost will release significant amounts of carbon and methane into the atmosphere. If melting continues beyond 2 degrees Celsius, the emissions released from the permafrost will become a positive feedback loop that accelerates global warming. In essence, 99% of the energy used in a car is wasted. A car propels 3,000 pounds of steel, glass, copper, and plastic in order to move a 150-pound, in my case, 200-pound human being. A third of the food raised or prepared does not make it from farm or factory to fork. Hunger is a condition of life for nearly 800 million people worldwide. The food we waste contributes 4.4 gigatons of carbon dioxide equivalent into the atmosphere each year, roughly 8% of total anthropogenic greenhouse gas emissions. According to the World Resources Institute, quote, in a world that is on course to demand more than 70% more food, nearly 80% more animal-based foods, and 95% more beef between 2006 and 2050, altering meat consumption patterns is critical to achieving a host of global goals related to hunger, healthy lives, water management, terrestrial ecosystems, and of course, climate change. The Western diet comes with a steep climate price tag. Raising livestock accounts for nearly 15% of global greenhouse gases emitted each year. The most comprehensive assessments of direct and indirect emissions say more than 50%. If cattle were their own nation, they would be the world's third largest emitter of greenhouse gases. Yikes! If cows were their own nation, they would be right behind China and the U.S. as the largest emitter of greenhouse gases? Come on, cows, get it together! Okay, enough of the onslaught of bad news. Let's hear about some of the stuff that's moving the world in a better direction, like wind and solar power. 
In the United States, the wind energy potential of just three states, Kansas, North Dakota, and Texas, would be sufficient to meet electricity demand from coast to coast. Wind farms have small footprints, typically using no more than 1% of the land they sit on. So grazing, farming, recreation, or conservation can happen simultaneously with power generation. According to the Geothermal Energy Association, 39 countries could supply 100% of their electricity needs from geothermal energy. Yet only 6 to 7% of the world's potential geothermal power has been tapped. When their entire life cycle is taken into account, solar farms curtail 94% of the carbon emissions that coal plants emit and completely eliminate emissions of sulfur and nitrous oxides, mercury and particulates. By 2050, 80% renewable generation could be a global reality. In many grids around the world, renewable energy is already reaching 20 to 40% share, including variable renewables as well as constant. Creating a distributed energy storage system, or grid independence, requires affordable storage, and until now, prices for batteries have been prohibitively expensive. That is changing. From $1,200 per kilowatt hour in 2009, the cost has dropped to $200 in 2016. When turned on, an LED uses 90% less energy for the same amount of light than an incandescent bulb, and half as much as a compact fluorescent without toxic mercury. On top of that, an LED bulb will last much longer than either type of bulb. 27 years of turned on five hours a day. In India alone, nearly one million solar lighting systems help students do their homework, birthing clinics operate effectively, and businesses remain open after sunset. The payback on retrofits, depending on the building, is five to seven years on average. In major public works infrastructure projects, $279 billion could be invested in the United States in retrofitting residential, commercial, and institutional buildings, yielding more than $1 trillion in energy savings over 10 years, equal to 30% of the country's annual spending on electricity. And what kind of world are we potentially headed for if we use all this potential alternative energy, if we aim to use sustainable ways to build a green economy, if we develop more environmentally workable products in cities, if we mobilize women and girls to their full potential? We could stop wasting our human potential if we insist on educating girls worldwide. According to the Brookings Institution, the difference between a woman with no years of schooling and with 12 years of schooling is almost four to five children per woman. In those areas of the world where girls are having the hardest time getting educated, population growth is fastest. We could have cities worldwide like Copenhagen, considered the most livable city in the world, in no small part because it is the most bike-friendly. 30% of Copenhageners ride to work, school and market on 18 miles of bike lanes and along three bicycle superhighways, connecting Copenhagen to its outlying suburbs. Reducing, reusing, and recycling is establishing a stronger niche and can be the background ethos of the coming century. San Francisco and Adelaide, Australia have achieved rates of 65% recycling already with extended producer responsibility, making companies responsible not just for creating goods, but also for managing them post-use. Becoming a reality, waste could be cut way back. Paper recycling is now the norm in Europe with 75% recovery rate. 
while South Korea achieves rates closer to 90%. Forests are spared. Experts estimate that 90% of current plastics can be derived from plants or other renewable feedstock. The future could very well be biodegradable. We could reclaim our forests by following Brazil's lead in the pre-Jair Bolsonaro days between 2004 and 2016 when forest reclamation cut tree losses by 80% as the country aggressively pursued a multi-pronged strategy. We could create new forests where there were none before in areas that have been treeless for at least 50 years in a policy of afforestation. Degraded pasture and agricultural lands or other lands corrupted from uses like mining are ripe for strategic planting of trees and perennial biomass. One of the dominant storylines of the 19th and 20th centuries was the vast loss of forest land. Its restoration and rewilding could be the 21st century story. Drawdown talks of a world of autonomous vehicles cutting back on the necessity of parking places, where road rage, <coughs> car crashes, <coughs> traffic jams, and used car dealers become distant, happily forgotten nightmares. It also talks of moving toward the smaller footprint of marine permaculture and using kelp to feed cattle, and thereby cutting back on methane emissions. And you don't even need fertilizer. Drawdown points out the difference in the impact of growing industrial hemp over cotton. Cotton is apparently the dirtiest crop in the world in terms of chemical use and pesticides. And Drawdown talks about the development of smart highways with solar-powered roadways and smart grids reducing energy waste, all saving money over time. Drawdown shows us a world where large parts of the marketplace are moving in a greener direction, in spite of foot-dragging and delusional political opposition. You have to show me the scientists because they have a very big political agenda. Greed seems the denier's ultimate motive, and moral cowardice their consistent character feature. It is evident that climate change will force adaptation and evolution, or worse. Putting money into coal and fossil fuel when more people are already employed in the United States by the solar industry than by gas, coal, and oil combined seems the essence of folly. <laughs> it is sad that at this moment in time, we are led by people who are actively working to make this crisis worse. Drawdown points us in a more imaginative direction, and Drawdown offers hope. And now, our interview with Fog Eater Cafe restaurateurs, Haley Samusberry, Erica Schneider, and Nathan Maxwell-Kahn. We interviewed Haley, Erica, and Nathan at three different times from May to July of 2019, just before, during, and after the Fog Eater Cafe opening. So I'm here at the Fog Eater Cafe in Mendocino, California, and the Fog Eater Cafe will soon be opening. It should be having its grand opening on June 12th, correct? Mm -hmm. And I am here with Erica Schneider, Haley Samusberry, and Nathan Maxwell Kahn. And, um, or Kahn, excuse me. No, it's Kahn. Okay, Kahn, all right. It's Nathan Maxwell Kahn. It's cool, you've only known me for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just. I, I live in the same piece of property as you. <laughs> well, there you go. The Fog Eater is a small restaurant in Mendocino. And it has um, one of my favorite logos. 
And there is a baby in the background here, so you might hear her talking on occasion. So, is that right? Not yet. Okay. <laughs> and it's very exciting. This is a 25-seat restaurant, is that correct? Yeah, tw- sure. <laughs> yeah, 26, I'd say, including the bar, and then outside, 12. So maybe you could all introduce yourselves so we can have your voices. Hello, I'm Erica. Okay. What do you do here at the Fog Eater, Erica? <laughs> I cook grits, mostly. <laughs> yeah, so Erica is the chef slash cook of the Fog Eater. My name is Haley, and I'm an owner and front of house manager and bookkeeper and server, I guess. That's what I do and will do. Future dishwasher. Yeah, future, di- that's what I aspire to be. I'd like to be the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. And I'm Nathan, and I am front of house as well. I'm the smiling face you'll most likely see when you enter the Fog Eater Cafe. And then I do kind of just whatever else is needed around here. Now, the Fog Eater's already been written up in Eater San Francisco, and it's already been mentioned in a New York Times article about Mendocino, about coming to Mendocino. This is kind of a nice way to begin a restaurant when you think about it. The first question I'd like to ask is, how did this all come to be? Tell us about how you guys met and um, how you decided to get together and make a restaurant. Well, we were hired on the same day at Baby Cakes in New York. So that's a vegan, gluten-free bakery in the Lower East Side. Very cute, lots of pink, very tiny, had like one of those New York City grates that leads you into the basement. It was a super New York kind of spot to work in. And I don't know, we worked really well together and we liked each other a lot. And we liked each other enough to spend time together after work, even though we were working together every single day. (laughs) (laughs) We just always had a lot of fun and also... We both sacrificed ourselves to the job equally. <laughs> yeah, we were um, we were martyrs in alliance. We both like would do anything to make sure everything was perfect. Was baking for both of you like a big deal? Were you like, I really want to be a baker? Or was it more like, well, this is a means to an end? I hated baking before I moved to New York and swore I would never do it. <laughs> and then we were at Baby Cakes and I decided I wanted to do it. I never baked a baby cakes and have never had any interest in baking, (laughs) but I did love frosting the cakes, but I more than anything like to run a really efficient, well-oiled machine. Like I like the customer service aspect of restaurant jobs, but more than that, I like to make sure that everything is in the exact right space so that people can work as efficiently as possible. That's what I like to do. Now we come to the first big question. So you guys are working together at Baby Cakes. Uh, it's the hip, hip happening place, a bakery in New York. So how did you start dreaming about the Fog Eater? What, what, what was the initial conversations like about that? That came a little later. I mean, Haley always said that I would love it here, but it was very far-fetched. Here in Mendocino. Here in Mendocino, mm-hmm. sure. And then they, Haley and Nathan brought me up here when I visited them in San Francisco six years ago? Yeah. Five years ago? Something like that. And I loved it here. And I've always wanted to open a restaurant. So I told Haley I would move here if she'd open a restaurant with me. And then I was like, well, that's great because I wanted to have an excuse to move back home because I'm from Fort Bragg. So when Erica said she was interested in moving here, we kind of put the plan into motion that Erica would move here for a year before Nathan and I moved back to make sure that she liked it because 
it's such a strange little area. Now, always um, a good idea to yeah. get your feet in the water and see if that works. Yeah, and then mm -hmm. she's she gave us the okay, so we moved up a couple months later, and then almost instantly started working on pop-up dinners and sort of developing the idea of Fog Eater and what we wanted it to look like and what the food was going to be like. Yeah, and then within, I think, three months of us moving back home, we had our first pop-up. Mm -hmm. So tell us about the pop-ups and what you were trying to achieve with them. Because I helped you as a dishwasher mm -hmm. some of the pop-ups. You were a wonderful dishwasher. <laughs> so tell us about that. Well, we wanted to, you know, as you know, this area is very small and folks can be a little um, xenophobic, especially with like new businesses and young people moving to the area. And so we figured the pop-ups were a great way to get people to know who we were and to be comfortable with our food. We were also testing out to see if vegetarian food would work here. And so we initially started out with a very low ticket price just to see if anybody was interested in coming and quickly re realized that you know we would sell out within 10 minutes of a posting of a Instagram post about our next pop-up. And so yeah, so we wanted uh, folks to know who we were. We wanted people to get to know our food. And that baby is very interested in getting some attention. Yeah, and, and then also uh, we wanted to be able to get some funds to buy things like kitchen supplies and flatware and glassware and we were able to use the money from the pop-ups to s set up um, some of the stuff. So you didn't pay yourself from the pop-ups, you used it sort of to develop capital. We have way. never paid mm -hmm. ourselves. We've been working on the Fog Eater Cafe for two years mm -hmm. and I think we made money on one rehearsal dinner mm -hmm. but it was it was it was a very <laughs> low amount of money yeah. but yeah so we haven't paid ourselves yet we wanted to make sure that the business was set and established before we start taking money now as i recall the pop eater you typically did you have starters <laughs> did you have hors d'oeuvres <laughs> and then you had salad and then you had an entree or tell, tell us about that too usually four courses with a matching cocktail for every course so we'd have oh, right. appetizers when people showed up and then salad and or soup and then entree and then dessert and all with like really delicious cute matching cocktails. Yeah, describe the cocktails too. When we were looking for a place for Fog Eater, we wanted to have a full cocktail program that didn't end up happening. So when we were doing the pop-ups, we were uh, working with full spirits. So we would use, you know, like St. George terroir gins and uh, local spirits that we were really interested in. But we're not going to have the full license, so our cocktails for the pop-ups are very different than what we're going to do now. Which now, we have a wine and beer license, so we're going to do sherry and sake as bases. Everything has to be wine-based. Mm -hmm. And the beer, they will also have, not cocktails, but yeah. they'll have like... Yeah, we're going to have a Rattler for our, mm -hmm. for our German friends uh -huh. and our Rattler enthusiasts. Um, but yeah, you can do a lot of interesting things using wine, beer, and vermouths as as bases for your cocktails. Now, I must say, I'm very much looking forward to that, because I'm a big fan of the Rattler. For those who don't know what a Rattler is, it's sort of like beer with juice, like mm -hmm. maybe strawberry or, or what you, you describe it better. Yeah, so me. a Rattler, it started in Germany with Berliner Weiss, which is a breakfast beer, and it's a really sour beer. And it's typically served with either a red syrup, which is, what is it, sweet woodruff? Yeah, it's sweet woodruff. And then the green syrup, which is kind of like a digestif. 
Which and makes it more kind of like a May wine kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. Too. I bet it's related towards that. Uh, so you put the syrup in your beer to make it more palatable when you drink it for breakfast. And then over the course of time, you know, beers change, but people like the idea of adding things to their beers. And so a Rattler, you would you often see now like lemon lime soda with beer. So we're going to have our, our style of Rattler is more coming from the Berliner Weiss beer. And so we're adding like a more concentrated shrub or syrup to beer. So and this will also include stuff like here locally, uh, like huckleberry juice and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and so our opening Rattler <laughs> is uh, Meyer lemon, rose, and rosemary shrub. Yum. Um, yeah, so it's acidic and earthy and right. sour. Now I must uh, uh, tell the listeners that uh, both Haley and Nathan have had backgrounds as bartenders. Did you start in New Orleans or where did mm -hmm. you start? Yeah, we both started bartending in New Orleans. Um, we were snake oil salesmen as like a performing duo on the streets mm -hmm. and our research into patent medicine sort of led us to be more curious into bitters because um, mm -hmm. all bitters started off as patent medicine and then we um, from there just got really interested in the history of cocktails and then decided to pursue cocktails in a professional capacity. Yeah. And yes. Nathan, you as well. You started in New Orleans and then you came to San Francisco and we continued bartending. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was involved in the art industry in New York more and I've always liked cocktails, but when we moved to New Orleans it became clear that the uh, intellectual heart of New Orleans was the cocktail scene. There's a lot of history involved and a lot of science and cultural anthropology. It's, it's just fascinating endlessly fascinating and so with our current restrictions you know I followed that through in San Francisco and we you know we both have worked on a lot of really interesting cocktail programs yes. culinary cocktails um, and the, you know just the craft cocktail movement in general there's a lot of science uh, working a lot of fine dining restaurants they have a lot of really interesting techniques that they use for food and that you can apply as well to cocktails. Yeah, like sous vide things, using clarification, using things like shrubs and jams, like things that you would have in a kitchen, like translating that to the cocktail world. Things like fat washing, where you can take... Uh, I have never heard this word before I met you guys. Before, yeah. I, before you moved up here. It's fat pretty washing. neat. Yeah, mm -hmm. so you, you know, like for us, we're a vegetarian restaurant, but you can take like peanut butter, put it into a spirit, and then... Um, wait till it solidifies <laughs> and then uh, strain out the peanut butter but the drink will taste like peanut butter even mm -hmm. if there's no fat in it but like using those kind of techniques behind the bar and not just in the kitchen what you can do is a little bit more restricted but we're kind of learning we're, we're yeah we're, we're learning and we're seeing what we can do we're going to be using a lot of infusions we're doing our own gin here which is really fascinating so basically uh we are infusing uh, using the vacuum sealer, some very dry manzanilla sherry with a bunch of different botanicals from around this area. Great. So, botanicals that are often found in gin. So right. our goal is to make this mm -hmm. sherry taste like a gin, but obviously much lower proof. Yeah, so we have juniper berries, mugwort, sage, pansy, pansy seaweed. seaweed, cypress, Douglas fir, 
all kinds of really interesting oh, things. That was fur too. So, um, Erica, tell us about the menu because the menu is very lovely to look at, and it's <laughs> online right now. And you have them printed. You have them all printed up, right? Uh, a few. We're still yeah. editing it a little okay. bit. Oh, um, I see. Okay. So, it, you mean you have, have a last minute infusion of menus coming? Well, you? we still don't know. I basically don't know what we're going to get from the farms until like the week of. <laughs> That's right. This The restaurant will also, in addition to being vegetarian, it will also have a lot of local, um, local food sources, right? Tell, yes. Tell us, give us an idea about the menu. Well, it's fairly small. We're going to have about four items in each category. So we have um, four appetizers, which are all pretty southern. Um, we've got some pickled deviled eggs. We're using local eggs for that. We have a mushroom pate that uses Haley's family's mushrooms. Haley's uncles are both mushroom growers and shiitakes, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The best shiitakes in the world. And so you've mentioned two appetizers so far. Yeah, do you want me to tell you the whole menu? One of them is a pimento cheese dip, which is a very southern combination of condiments, basically. I should mention that Erica is, Erica is originally from Tennessee. Nashville, represent. Pimento cheese is sweet peppers and cheese and cream cheese and mayonnaise, usually a combination of those things. So I'm doing a really delicious vegan version of that. And which means you can eat more and not feel... Ill. True. <laughs> um, and hush puppies, which are also about as southern as it gets. Little fried corn fritters, basically. Yeah, those are delicious too. And then what's typical, um, a variety of salads too, right? Well, we're just going to do one salad actually because mm -hmm. our thinking is that because we are a vegetarian vegan restaurant, it's either going to be vegetarians and vegans who are often stuck eating only salad at normal restaurants mm -hmm. or people who don't usually eat this type of food who might be more interested in branching out. So we're going to have one really delicious salad only and see how that goes. Mm -hmm. And then typical entrees? Entrees, we've got a red beans and rice, which is a traditional New Orleans dish that they eat on Mondays. Usually it's something that they cook all day Sunday while they're doing their chores. And Isn't that kind of a hangover cure? At least it has a reputation. <laughs> I think any like New Orleans food has the reputation. <laughs> yeah, I think that's because people in New Orleans have a hangover every day. Uh, there you go. <laughs> because uh -huh. of said cocktail program. We will also have a... Southern plate, which is kind of an ode to all the plates at Southern restaurants that are just sides, all the sides piled oh. up on a plate. And that will be a nice way to kind of rotate and feature whatever great produce we can get at that time. We will have a grits dish, which is um, these super delicious grits that come actually all the way from South Carolina, but some things you have to source from afar. They're heirloom and just the best grits that there are served with vegetables and a poached egg and a smoked tomato broth so it's mm -hmm. kind of like a soupy grits dish <laughs> anything else on there cauliflower steak cauliflower steak oh, yes. what does that mean cauliflower steak so it's a big slab of cauliflower that kind of sits in the place of something like a steak whereas usually you get a steak with like mashed potatoes and mm -hmm. whatever vegetable and gravy this will be mashed cauliflower and collards and mushroom gravy 
Yum. Again with the delicious shiitakes. Do you take the cauliflower, do you run it through a slicer at like a half an inch, or do you just have a clump, of, a, a, literally a, like a flower of cauliflower? Um, no, it's a slice, but you have to do it by hand. It's actually um, kind of finicky because you can really only get two out of a head, no matter the size of the head, because it has to have the stem and the mm -hmm. core to mm -hmm. keep it together. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, it's about three quarters of an inch to an inch slice that you just cut vertically out of the head. Great. So, we've got a variety. We've heard a little bit about the food and the drinks menu. Now, of course, we have to talk about you've been working so hard to make this all happen. You mentioned for the last two years, correct? Yeah. Do you have a couple hours? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if we can condense it down to five minutes. Or so. Yeah, so we got access to this space in March of 2018. That's, was it March? It was March, because it was the same week I found out I was pregnant. That's when <laughs> we said yes to this space. So it's been over a year. And, you know, Mendocino, I think the biggest issue is that Mendocino is not a town. It's unincorporated. So there's no municipal center of Mendocino, so you have to work out of the county. That means there's a lot of endless amounts of phone tag. There's a lot of bureaucratic sort of red tape that you have to go through. And, you know, we, we're such a small area that there's no health department here. We have to go through Ukiah. There's no which is the county seat. Yeah, the county mm -hmm. seat. And there's no ABC, which is the alcoholic beverage control. There's no ABC even in the county, so we have to go to Sonoma County. Oh. So all of these things, since we're such a rural area, definitely makes it hard. And you know, our little county is, I think, a little understaffed. So if you go to get your permit, you know, let's say we started our hood permit, and from the hood is over the oven, right? Yeah, so over the, the stove. Exactly. Yeah. So the hood and Ansel system was nine months from submission to approval. And the, the mind boggles. It's stuff like really that. frustrating. And you know, then there's things like the health department, which um, they're very thorough and they, they want to see the spec sheets for your spoons and they want to see like all of the details for everything that you're doing. Wait, I'm going to interrupt. No, go yeah. ahead. One of our biggest hiccups just walked by yeah, the window. He did. He did. <laughs> uh -huh, I see. Yeah, and then we had a neighbor who was um, unhappy with our hours. So the previous restaurant was just lunch and we're primarily going to be dinner and a neighbor was very unhappy and you know called and complained to the county numerous times and slowed down all of our permits and just made it so that it was like much harder to get open than we would have liked. So Yeah, this is a problem I think and that we see often in neighborhoods that have people of a similar age group who have come to say old age and don't want to let young people start because they just like the way their neighborhood is yeah. and they don't want to see any changes. So I think you ran into some of that too. We did. Mm -hmm. We did. And it's frustrating because we wanna we wanna live here. We love this area. We don't plan on being raucously disruptive like we just want to have our little slice of Mendocino paradise but the nice thing is that uh, said neighbor was actually called by the the um, county and told that he could no longer make complaints and that he was harassing us so we had a 
a nice little victory. Justice. <laughs> yeah. Justice, right. But it was also hard for us because literally everyone else has been so supportive and everyone. so welcoming. So when we had this one person, we were kind of just like shocked little like kids like what do you what do you mean you don't like us <laughs> yeah. yeah but it all worked out it all worked yeah. out and yeah and it's like everyone even you know in the county and the health department everyone was very sweet to us and really wanted us to be able to open and wanted us to be able to be here so we we don't feel like we don't feel like we're hated and not wanted in the neighborhood well at this point you're getting ready to go uh, you'll be opening on uh, June 5th. Tell us about the first premiere week. Again, that is a question as well. The, the, what's going to happen between June 5th and June 12th? Yeah, so we're running um, Soft Openings. is a kind of disgusting name given <laughs> to the, um, the pre-openings of a restaurant. <laughs> the idea is to have them incredibly regimented and uh, scheduled to a T so that you have gets in the space and you're trying things out but you're not stressed at all so you know we're only doing 30 seatings on um, Thursday Friday and Saturday so only 30 people and they're coming in from 5:30 till 9 so we have it's a really manageable amount of guests coming in and we've tried to make it so that they're people that we know or people who have gone to a previous pop-up so that they're kind and lenient and give good feedback but are also patient if things take a while. But we're starting off with an opening party on Wednesday the 5th. So that is um, lots of friends and old time supporters that come in and just kind of mill about, eat a whole bunch of snacks, drink some drinks and just get a feel for the space. We have um, the soft opening dinners Thursday, Friday and Saturday night and then a brunch on Sunday. And then after that Sunday brunch, me and Erica and Nathan will probably cry really hard and drink a bottle of wine and then because go from the there. Because the Sunday brunch is expected to be difficult? No, or? I think the whole week will just be such a um, surreal, um, strange experience. I think there's mm -hmm. going to be a lot of emotions. Like We've worked so hard on this and then to have actual people ordering food in here is going to feel like... It's, it will just feel really intense and strange. Depending on how it goes, it'll either be good crying or bad crying. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling it's going to be good crying. I think there's a lot of people who are very interested in the, this restaurant opening. And I think you have a lot of fans. And I think it has uh, good prospects. What we'll do then is we will return uh, in the first few days after the opening and ask you how it's going. I will probably be a nuisance in the, the sense that you'll be busy but I won't be following you around the middle of a shift. Maybe I'll talk to you at the end of the shift or talk to you in the morning type Great. thing and get a chance to get the feel of how the first few days are going. I knew baby Bijou now is sucking her thumb in anticipation of how everything's going to go. So that should be great. You can always come early for those questions and hit the dish pit while you're at it. Yeah. <laughs> I have one final question before. In the SF Eater or Eater SF review, um, Haley mentions uh, talking about the place that it has a whisper of grandma. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder if you could just describe that a little bit more. A whisper of grandma. What does that mean? Well, our aesthetic is um, it's kind of kooky mid-century. The walls are bright salmon. Tabletops on the counter are teal. We it's have... very pretty, by the way. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. We have, it's a lot of color. 
Um, but then we also have like mismatched china and lace curtains and we'll have doilies out. So the whisper of grandma sort of refers to the design touch that is the 90 year old grandmas that <laughs> we, we grew up with. They're, you know, kind of higgly piggly cute lace aesthetic. We wanted to bring in some of that. I think it's kind of like a little bit of gold. It's almost golden girls, but not quite the 1980s. It's mm -hmm. like kind of, you know how Golden Girls is, it's grandmas and they're also like 80s doing the 40s. It's and like Golden Girls go to Miami. Yeah. Aren't they, or in, they Miami? in Miami? Are they in Miami? Yeah, well, they're in Florida. <laughs> yeah, they're, in, yeah. they're in Florida. I don't I think, think we had an idea. I think we just picked the things that we like. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> and, what it was. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we have like oil cloth menus and we have definite nods to a little, little grandma thing. Yeah, lots of teacups. <laughs> Everything is being served in a mason jar or teacup or an old plate. There you go. Well, I think that that might be a good note to end on. So we will end part one of the Foggy Cafe with all this laughing and a happy baby. And we look forward to talking with you again after you do your premiere week. Thank you, Thanks, Okay, Adam. thank you very much. stuff around. That's the best. Yeah. Here. Okay, great. Right. What's the best cocktail? I don't know. I don't know who is. Somebody is. Somebody I So what do you So I will take Okay. So everything's pink. So what do you what do you what are some we were gonna order around a little bit maybe on, on the, the drinks. What are Yeah, what are the best drinks? drinks? Um okay the best drinks I think just one of all the cocktails. Okay. But okay. each honestly <laughs> that dog walk hunt is or in the milk punch is kind of more of a dessert okay. drink because it's an oat milk base. Right. So if you're gonna do a dessert, I would maybe save the milk punch to do it with dessert because right. that's kind of an inappropriate pairing. Yeah. Um the Fool's Paradise is gonna be really fruity and tropical tasting gonna be kind of like your easy sipper it, it doesn't have an umbrella <laughs> but I can see yes <laughs> clearly it's an umbrella the briny glimmer is kind of our play on a martini so that's gonna be a bit more straightforward but it does have a kelp tincture in there which is kind of exciting that mimics the olive is the fool's paradise kind of a tall drink then is that they're the all big... kind of little mason jars or little coops we'll okay. try one of those the fool's paradise yeah Keep going. <laughs> um, that dog walk hunt is a play on an old fashioned or Manhattan. It has definitely, with the cherry bark, um, the cherry undertones, and is kind of one of the stronger cocktails as it is a play on the old fashioned or Manhattan, but really great sipper. The rose colored glasses is probably my favorite because it has the three rose shrub. 
So it's this beautiful pink color and it's just another one of those great sippers and you can either have it with a sparkling wine as the base or with a scrimshaw which makes it a rattler. Oh yeah. So that's a fun... Could I, can I have that? Could I have what you, yeah. the scrimshaw rattler you just sure. mentioned? That would be great. Can I do it with the sparkling wine? Yes. Getting over the feels better, nice. awesome. And did you want to start with any food just to share, or yeah, we'll yeah, yeah, the yeah, drinks yeah, yeah. first? You want to get a couple of entrees to share? <laughs> okay. Hush puppies sound great. Yes. Yes. Do we could we all sample a from one hush puppies? Could we all have yeah. enough to share? There's five on the plate. Oh, I would definitely great. recommend the pimento cheese, especially okay. if you spread it on really thick. Okay, great. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah, the cabbage rolls come with two, so if you wanted to do it. Two orders, otherwise you can cut them in half. Yeah, they're always cut in So what do you guys want to have as the first nominees? Do you want to do those as orders? Yeah, I can start yeah. with these. Let's do that. Yeah. And then we'll do, do the that. drinks That's, and then, then we can, we'll go on. Yeah. We'll nosh our way around the menu. There we go. That's very good. Thank you. Good. Be careful what you say that he's recording. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he's a cop. <laughs> I'm a food cop. Got a couple little dishes, so you just crack them open like normal and then munch away. Boiled peanuts. Yeah. Boiled peanuts. Thank you. You're welcome. Could you say it one more time with your mind? <laughs> now you're on. The soup of the day is a um, carrot and fennel puree with fennel frond pesto over top. And then the vegetables are roasted carrots, turnips, and daikon radish. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Wait, keep going. And what you see in front of you is a pimento cheese. It's a cashew-based cheese. And that'll go with the hush puppies, right? Um, the hush puppies come with an aioli, so you oh. can eat this with the bread, which is from Pelican oh, Bakery in Pointerina. Yeah, um, thank you very much. <laughs> I know who's getting the rattler. Yes. <laughs> Danke. It's, it's kind of, you know, intimidating giving Doug a rattler. Yeah. Rattler <laughs> well, here's to you. Cheers. Cheers. What'd you guys get? Tasty. Very good Rattler. It's a, it's like a mimosa. It's like a sparkling wine, rosy mimosa. I like the champagne version. I like, I like fruity, fizzy drinks a lot. <laughs> mm -hmm. The hush puppies have arrived. And everybody's going for them. Everybody's hot. <laughs> okay, we're going to do a quick hors d'oeuvre rating. We've had the uh, pimento cheese, we had the southern peanuts, and we had the uh, hush puppies. Anybody? All amazing. Hush puppies, I think, are best. Yeah, hush puppies are number one. I think the pimento cheese tops the hush puppies. Yeah. The, the pimento cheese on the hush puppies was pretty impressive. Yeah. And the, boil, the boiled peanut was definitely very unique and, and uh, a fun twist. Yeah. 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 We all want to know, does a peanut scream when you throw it in boiling water? Do you have something like that that's different? We just have the one Rattler on the menu at the moment, so you could just get a scrimshaw if you'd like, that's what the beer is. So that would just be... Rattler's more yeah. thunder. Okay, I'll have one of those. Okay. So we have the Eat Your Greens. Yeah. So this is the salad coming up. It's called Meat Your Greens. Or eat, eat, eat Your Greens. Yes, okay. So it's got nine yeah. rich greens, yes. uh, strawberries, puffed sorghum, pickled rhubarb, and then we have a um, golden beet vinaigrette. 
and the beets are from Nye Ranch, so we can call it Nye Ranch dressing. Nice. Yeah, cheers. All right, thank you. Okay, Ali's, Ali's bringing some of uh, the main entrees. Go ahead, yeah, so Ali. So this is a, um, the grits here with the collards, the beans, and a poached egg. And then we also have the cauliflower steak with a house-made biscuit, gravy, and the collards. That's mushroom gravy, isn't it? It is mushroom gravy. Thank you so much, You're Ali. Welcome. Is that medium rare? <laughs> <laughs> well done. Great. Is there anything else I can bring for the table, or are we... Looking good. You've already brought us too much delicious stuff. Yeah. Well, there's more to come. <laughs> Thank, oh, great. Thanks. Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you. Okay, go All ahead, right. I have the biscuit sliders for you. Two per order. I think this was a good decision here. Um, it is a pickled and then fried green tomato. It has the hot pepper aioli as the base on the bottom. And then a Nye Ranch Napa cabbage slaw. How spicy is it? Not that hot. And southern food. Cool. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Don't mind me. I've been enjoying food. Go ahead. Tell us some right, more, so Allie. This is the red beans and rice. This is the same Napa cabbage slaw that was on the sliders. And then it has a shiitake bacon around the edge. And then the southern plate is the cutest little cast iron you've ever seen. <laughs> The beans and the veg there. Thank you, Ellie. This You're is great. Welcome. Boy. Do we need any more silverware for distribution? Maybe another spoon? I almost wore my fork out, but I think it's okay for me to help me. I'll bring a knife and another spoon. Thank you. It's going really well. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. Yeah, we love the drinks. We also love the drinks. The food is fantastic. When are you? Brunch going to be Saturday and Sunday? It will just be Sunday for now. There's not. Starting your first weekend? Starting, starting, yes. So we have a soft brunch this Sunday, and then next weekend we'll have like full brunch from 10 to 2. Wow. Yeah. Nice. I know Erica's gonna be very tired. Yes. <laughs> Crumming. Oh, right, we're talking about the desserts Crumming. now. Right, go ahead. It's important stuff. It is. Would you like to do another drink? What? Coffee? Okay. I'll do another drink. Great. The the roast? Yeah. Oh wait. You said we're supposed to have oh, this. Oh yes, the milk punch. Yeah, okay, we'll do that. The milk punch. Because all this is at like you said. Yeah, milk. Did you say you had pork? We don't have pork, but we have, if you turn, keep turning. Oh, other delights. It's right there. So these are some. We have the sake, the driver booth, the enrama. The one thing that's not listed on there that is really good for dessert as well is a, it's the Oloroso sherry. It's kind of more desserty and like nutty. Kind of comparable to a port, but it's a sherry. So you guys know what you want for dessert? Uh, a Mississippi mud pie. Are we going to share all of the desserts yeah, again? Yeah, we'll, okay. we'll just have a spoon each other. All right, Mississippi mud pie. A pie of the day. Pie, which is strawberry rhubarb. Great. The only other thing I would recommend is the cookie plate because you are getting the milk. I was thinking that too. But okay. It comes okay, with okay, non-alcohol. Okay, okay, cool. okay. <laughs> They were all very the, funny look. Like the cookies <laughs> are like so easy. You can just eat them and then forget it ever happened. Okay, I like it's that. really great. So I'll get the um, the milk for you, the coffee, and then if you decide you'd like another drink, just let me know. Okay. Great. Just like oh, surprising. Totally.
How is everything? Amazing. That's brilliant. Well, you guys stop growing You know, there's only there's only one problem. There's this guy with the mustache behind the counter. But other than that, everything's been delicious. Did you let this guy talk like this? <laughs> How is everything? Really good. The, the Rattlers were superb. Scudder had one too. Okay, good. They're great. Right. Amazing. From man, I love this. Uh, you, no one's touched that Conway cookie. It's that. coming in next. Tried it yet. Oh, but that one's too good. From the bacon expert. Yes. The shiitake bacon. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay, great. Yes. Well, good. That means a lot. Everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. I'm so glad yeah. to have that. You guys, you guys are doing good. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, I really appreciate you coming. I felt like today went very well. So I am back with the proprietors of the Fog Eater Cafe after their first two weeks after their regular opening, and that also includes the one week of the preview opening. And on the floor learning to crawl is Bijou Berry, who is now almost six months old. What's been some of the surprise successes? Anybody can chime in at any point, and then I'll also ask specific questions of you. Go ahead. Some surprise successes. We are so much busier than we thought we would be by a long shot. I mean, both busier in amount of people who come in and just surprised by people are spending a lot more money per person than we anticipated. Yeah, we had to staff accordingly, which has been a little stressful to try to find extra staff at kind of the drop of the hat but yeah i think that's my my main surprise okay so that's your main surprise let's ask erica's main surprise i've been surprised how much food people are ordering we kind of in our business plan thought people would share one appetizer and get an entree and share a dessert there have been like several desserts per table several appetizers people are eating it up literally yeah i have to tell you when we came i came the first time there was four of us and we purposefully shotgunned the menu because um, we were just in that mood. And so we tried, that night we tried, uh, we tried all four entrees. We tried some of the starters. We tried three of the four desserts. So we actually kind of did that on purpose. And it was a really fun way to do the menu. And it made it so that you kind of had an idea. What are your, some of your favorite things on the menu so far, Eric? The favorite thing I've done so far, Haley's cousin brought us some maitake mushrooms, Mm -hmm. and I just fried them and served them with a really delicious miso jalapeno sauce, and it was just a special that we ran, but it was the most delicious thing. Those mushrooms are outstanding. Deep fried. Oh, you did deep fried mushrooms? Yeah. Yeah. And you didn't tell me about it? They might not have been here the night you were here. Yeah, I don't think no, they, they weren't. It was me. So that's just something I, you know, there's something I need to know next time. So I fully <laughs> expect you to do that. Um, so we'll come back to some more menu things about like what you might want to change, what you see coming up. But let me ask Nathan too. Some of the big surprises of the first couple of weeks. Um, I think it's a surprise for me how popular the cocktails are. Specifically, the you know which cocktails. There's some that. The one that's a kind of a mimosa or radler oh, yeah. made with a shrub. That was very, very popular. And it's just interesting to see what 
people gravitate towards and what they don't really. And it'll be interesting to see how that changes and evolves too. Like I would like for people to experience more of the wine and they are, but I think that's something that's baby steps kind of into Mm -hmm. and people are more adventurous when it comes to cocktails, I think. But the funny thing also is we are carrying Scrimshaw and we figured Scrimshaw will be the number one selling beer because it's comfortable and people recognize it. But people have been wanting the other beers, the like the weirder stuff that we have on the menu, which that's mm-hmm. a pleasant surprise. Yeah. How is the Rattler uh, selling? Yeah, not as well as the version where you can get sparkling wine, but um, people order the Rattler. And, you know, that's kind of a weird drink. So <laughs> it's really fun. You know, one of the things that uh, surprised us about the menu when we were here was the variety of drinks. And so we then started to go through the drinks and it was kind of fun. We were bouncing around and the drinks then seem as interesting as the food, which of course is interesting too. So it was one of those things that got us going. So we also shotgunned the drink menu mm-hmm. and we ordered different things in, you know, like the second drink was different than the first. So are you finding that people are trying all around your drink menu too? I think the people who are getting cocktails are often getting one of each for the table to share. Except Bloody Marys at brunch. Yeah, we, absolutely. We've sold, no, but we think we've sold one Bloody Mary. Might have sold two. So and we're, it's, so we're gonna, it's so delicious, but we're going to have to take it off the menu because last Sunday was our busiest brunch by far. I don't think we could get busier. And we sold zero Bloody Marys. Do you think Bloody Marys might be passe as a drink or something? No, not no. at all. When I worked at the Little River Inn, that was our number one drink mm-hmm. of the year. Mm-hmm. Our number one drink. I think it always. might be the name. It's called Gypsy's Warning. I think if it was and called I think if House it was Bloody, called House Bloody yeah. people might order mm-hmm. it. I think we should, if True. we can salvage what we yeah. have, I think we should try to maybe do that. Try it out once. Yeah. And then destroy it yeah Mm -hmm. so what are some of the stuff on the food menu that you think boy we've got to drop that or we've got to add to that what are some of the big surprises on the food menu no one orders super salad (laughs) more salads this week before that no no salads um which was surprising i like the title though eat your greens yeah (laughs) i do like that i I ate i ate a salad both times i've been yeah yeah good i mean i like the salad but um People have ordered way more of like the weird vegan things and I thought um, the pimento cheese appetizer, I didn't think people would really love it because it's like a weird thing anyways and then it's a vegan version of it. Most people are freaked out by vegan cheese in general, Mm -hmm. but it has sold so much. Same with brunch, like the weirdest entree, the grits and griots with the fake sausage in it that we make in house, which is really good. It's made out of black eyed peas, but people have ordered that a lot. Yeah. yeah, and the southern plate, which I, I was kind of an afterthought of like sides and just a way to get like a little more on the entree menu, and that is probably the most popular entree. Mm-hmm. And it was really cute. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I, I mean, I think that the cute factor uh, factors in a lot. It does. With, People with, see the southern plate go by and they're like, ooh, what's that? I want that. Same with it, drinks too, you know? Yeah. Like I have the one drink that's in a really, really tall, thin stem glass that has kind of a big kind of goblet on top. And every time I present that to a guest, that's when I sell a lot more. Yeah. Because I have people saying, oh, what's that? Like, look at that. 
Look at that glass. That looks so nice. Yeah, it strikes me that the cute factor is is one of the things that you guys have going for you across the board. <laughs> yes. Because when you enter the restaurant, it's so damn cute, and there's everything that's here in addition to the colors and the cute little lace curtains. And the little, um, you know, salt and pepper shakers that are sort of little ceramic pieces. I'm looking at a bluebird right here. The night we were here, we had uh, sort of happy barnyard chickens. <laughs> and we were jealous because the next table over had little pigs with uh, waiter uh, costumes. If I would have thought that uh, you were sitting here with Scudder, um, I would have put the barnyard pig there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I would have had the hindsight. Apropos uh, Scudder, he is my friend who is the owner of Round Man Smokehouse, or one of the owners, and um, they were blown out by the shiitake bacon. Has that been also a kind of a positive thing? Yeah, most tables ask exactly how to make it, which is a funny thing in this restaurant in general. Like once a shift, someone's like, "What's every ingredient in that?" I'm like I've never seen that happen at a restaurant they before. Do it all the time, yeah. like it's like with the gravy. They're like, "Tell me exactly." what's in this because they want to try to cook it at home. <laughs> so by and large, after the preview week and after two weeks of regular business, I would characterize you guys as pleasantly surprised. Where would you put yourself on the happyometer right now? Erica? I am happy as can be. I, we need a little bit more staff because we are so busy, but that is like the best problem to have. Really happy with the way everything's turned out menu-wise. Customers seem really happy. Our staff is amazing. We're having fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that there's growing pains and, you know, we're all trying to... We've been kind of rushing around with our heads cut off a little bit. I mean, we had a lot of time to plan, but we didn't know what it was going to be like when we opened. So... There's been a lot of changes and a lot of things we've had to adapt to, which can be a little stressful. But I think that we're the longer and longer we're, we're starting to gain control of it and understand it really well. And yeah, I mean, all the problems are, in the larger scheme of things, good problems to have. But it just means that it's really long days and nights for us and trying to figure out staffing and feeling a little, a little stretched too thin right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think that's good. I think that it will it will kind of level off. Okay. What do you think, Bijou? Yeah. She's too cute. And uh, Haley, you're holding the um, extremely cute Bijou. Yeah. So, uh, tell us a little bit about some of the stuff that... Well, I'm really happy with everything as far as like the daily operations go with the cafe. I do feel very overwhelmed by the office work. Mm. It's something that you really can't rush it if you're doing like payroll or balancing the books or counting money. Like you need to be in a space where you have to just sit there and do it and it's going to take as long as it's going to take. And every other activity, you if you move faster, it gets done faster and it's like good. You know what I'm saying? Like if I need to mop, I can just mop as quickly as possible and the floor will look great. Mm-hmm. So actually like taking a breath to take the time to do the office work is a challenge and it's work that I don't enjoy (laughs) and so that part of it I'm not I'm not super excited by 
but I will get better at it and it will be, I'll become more and more efficient. So it's just teaching myself kind of systems for the office work. Okay. That is a classic situation. What are some of the things that you want to put on the menu now, Erica, that you thought, well, maybe I want to try this after I get going? What are some of the potential new things? I'm excited for all the summer crops to come in. You know, we're going to get more tomatoes and some corn from a little bit inland and just summer things in general are very um, classic southern food is all made out of those things I'm hoping that maybe someone around here will grow some okra this year stuff like that I also hope to do more cool fermenting and pickling projects once we have more staff and I have time to kind of putter with things there you go and Nathan some things you see in the horizon here yeah I mean I think that with the cocktails you know, we don't have a liquor license, so we only have a wine and beer license. So we use sherry as the base of a lot of our cocktails, or sake, um, or vermouth. And we're trying to use a lot of these southern techniques like shrubs. And we're starting to integrate other aspects like Vindepesh, which is a really fun project I'm so right now. I'm excited about my now, Can you say like Vindepesh, wine of something? What is Peaches. It? Peach. Peach. Oh, Peach. 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 It's a peach leaf wine. So what we're doing is we're taking all, basically the butts, all the ends of the wine that we serve at the restaurant that mm, maybe it's past its prime. It's not something that we would serve to people by the glass anymore. But we can, we're putting it together with some peach leaves. And uh, that's a traditional method to create this kind of oxidized delicious brew Uh, i'm very excited to do stuff like that where it's both very efficient and very ecological but really fun and creative too and i think that's the aspect of this whole place it's a small place you know we're running on a shoestring budget we're trying to make the most of everything and that is a really fun uh, box to be in because then you can be really creative. Yeah, I agree. Small is beautiful in this situation. And finally, Haley, some things you see coming up. Yeah, I'm also really excited about the Vindepesh and using using kind of extra wines. Uh, we're doing a, we're going to do an elderberry wine and a rose wine. And I'm I'm excited for summer produce as well, like using fresh tomatoes and peaches. Yeah. But I also am excited to maybe do some sort of a wine club. I don't know what that looks like yet, but I'd love to be able to open up some of our wines that we just serve by the bottle and give those to people because I'm very excited about them. And so I want to share them with people. Well, I thank you very much. We just had your uh, giant mushroom distributor walk in. So here we see a lot of local. You, you've done really well on the uh, getting uh, the You're local produce come in. <laughs> so uh, that's a whole other thing. I think it's very impressive. So that as an ongoing thing is wonderful. Also just wanted to say I wish you well. This has been great for uh, us to record and see what's happening. And we've got a happy baby there too, right? Did you some final words? She's going to eat it. Oh, she's going <laughs> to eat it. Okay. Well, in that case, Fog Eater, keep going. We wish you well, and uh, thank you very much. Thank, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Snap Sessions. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us on Patreon. We depend on the support of listeners like you. Thanks to our artists of the show, Haley Samusberry, Erica Schneider, and Nathan Maxwell-Kahn of the Fog Eater Cafe. 
Thanks to our techmeister, Marshall Downtown Brown, our jack-of-all-trades, Ken Krause, and Danka, to our logo designer and Euro Snap Sessions artist, Daniel Stieglitz. Don't be an airhead. Get out there and do something creative. Dabble in something that inspires you. Read something challenging. Expand your perspective. Our aim is to give you an international look on the arts and a critical look at world politics. Salute the power of creativity and foster international solidarity. Make Mother Earth great again. <laughs>